Hello, everyone. Welcome back to this podcast. On today's episode, we're going to welcome our first ever guest. Her name is Christine Long. She's a co-host of Blue Lotus podcast, which is now going to be called Imagine Blue. It's a very popular podcast amongst media and entertainment. So if you guys are interested in that, feel free to uh, tune in. She's also co-owner of Bay in Little Tokyo, a very popular ice cream parlor slash shop. And we're just thrilled to have her here. Everybody, welcome, Christine. Woohoo. I'm Woo-hoo. equally as clap. thrilled to be here. <laughs> yes, a silent clap. <laughs> um, Christine and I have met through, we've worked together on several teams, initiatives and projects at work. Mm-hmm. So I, I like to consider her a good coworker as well as a good friend. Yes, and definitely. She's Hopefully else. a lifelong friend, Martine. <laughs> well, that's up to you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll think about it if I like you enough. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see. But I will say that I'm very happy that we can like talk outside of work and still have like a good like relationship. So that's like a, that's a plus. But Agreed. yeah, she, Christine's someone I do look up to and I um, respect a lot. She has accomplished a lot in her life and I think she's really chill. So Charlie, let's let's, let's talk about the food element to this podcast. Yeah, I mean, I'm this is like my favorite part. Uh, always starting <laughs> off with the food. <laughs> so I mean, um, definitely with food, uh, I'm I'm okay to take it wherever we want to go. Um, where do we want to start, Christine? Um, well, I did send over. Have you guys tried any of the items that I sent over to you guys? Yeah. So yeah. for me, it's only been the egg tart. Everything Ooh, else I've okay. never had. Just the egg tart for me. So what what type of egg tarts did you have? Uh, dude like honestly I'm not even too sure how authentic they were it's just like when I used to work in catering back at UC mm-hmm. Riverside we've had we did offer egg tarts I believe I could be totally wrong about that but <laughs> I, I, I think we offered it and I had it and I thought it was great but there, there are good and bad ones but I'm my favorite sure. like it ha- like I grew up eating that as you know, that's like one of my luxury desserts that my family would let me have mm-hmm. uh, at like bakeries and stuff. And I would always, and at dim sum, I would always mm-hmm. order that too. Wait, the first episode, Charlie, didn't you bring Martine to dim sum? You oh, didn't yeah, have did. egg tarts? Yeah, Martine, Bro. what's up with that? <laughs> hey man, like <laughs> as your guest, I expected you to introduce me to everything. <laughs> That's a staple in dim sum. Come on. It's well, Especially- what's interesting. It's like my like with my family, we surprisingly we never get egg tarts, which is weird. Like we always get like the um the sesame balls, and you know, we're not big dessert people when it comes to dim sum. We're usually mm-hmm. getting like the the dumplings um, and the other dishes. And so egg tart, I actually didn't get introduced to it until uh, my wife actually. So okay, yeah. Well, that's fair. That's fair. Well, if we ever go to dim sum, I'm I'm ordering you guys a plate because dim sum egg tarts are different than like bakery egg tarts. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I'm glad you tried that. That's one of the items that I've um, grew up on. And I actually recently during COVID, you know, I got furloughed from work and I started a business and that business was like selling egg tarts to people. Mm. So it's near and dear to my heart and has a lot of like nostalgia to it. Yeah, you're Mm -hmm. a very very talented baker as well that's something i did forget to mention in your little intro (laughs) you're just a renaissance woman you can bake you can like manage and like find like um start companies you're you're a data whiz like it's it's insane i like learning new things i think i don't know if it's because i'm a gemini but i i just like to pick up a bunch of different hobbies you can't see my background right now but martine has seen it's just like a bunch of yarn 
and like knitting oh, yeah, stuff. Yeah. 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 To to run down the list of the food items you sent us, um, we so you you told me that you're 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 Chinese and Vietnamese. So a mm-hmm. lot of these like foods are very important to your culture and upbringing. So to start off, you mentioned um, Chinese slash Asian side egg tarts as one of your favorite. Is it pronounced manto? Uh, uh, the steam bread. In Cantonese, it's pronounced uh, mantau. Mantau. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you mentioned mooncakes. You mentioned um, zongzi. And then on your, if I said that per- correctly, I'm not too sure. <laughs> no, that's close. It's called zhongzi. But okay. yeah, yeah, I would, yeah. <laughs> I would not have got that. And that's from your Chinese side. And then on your mm-hmm. Viet side, it's the ban, ban biao. Ban biao. Ban biao. Okay. Yes. And then the catfish spring rolls, which sounds amazing yeah that does sound good that sounds really good and that's like some of the stuff you like mentioned to me and charlie on the side that that should be something we should try um how how did you feel about eating these like certain food groups and like do you feel like growing up here in the u.s did other kids in school maybe like kind of push you away because they're not used to eating like such like diverse like foods yeah i definitely remember in elementary school um my mom would always pack lunch for me because I think not a lot of, I went to a a very, I wouldn't say diverse school. It was pretty, um, you know, there was a lot of Caucasians and whatnot, not too many Asians. So when I would bring my lunch and I'm sure you guys have seen it in movies where like kids are like, Mm -hmm. ew, Mm -hmm. what is that? So that did happen to me. Um, And that made me like, asked my mom like why can't I just buy lunch from school but we didn't grow up like rich you know we grew up pretty poor Um, at one point we lived in someone's basement and so she's just like you know we have money we don't have money for that you're gonna bring what I eat you or you'll starve or what I make you and your or you'll starve so um that didn't particularly made me feel great because I already didn't fit in Mm -hmm. and you know, food is a time where everybody kind of gathers around and socializes and whatnot. And then I wouldn't want them to socialize about me during this gathering time. So, you know, that was a factor, but I eventually got over it. I grew up um, and I learned to appreciate, you know, the effort that my family has put into, you know, making this food. And if someone had said anything, I'd be like, why doesn't your mom make you food? you know but other than that like all of this food in in my like opinion is just food that brings people around like the um the jongju that is something that is also um a lot of it's like cross ethnicity like mm. it's not just you know um asians that or Chinese people that have it. It's also like Vietnamese people do it too. And a lot of these come about during the new year. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like for mooncake as well. And I remember uh, going to the temples for, I think in like Garden Grove or in OC and the temples would sell these types of um, foods so that they can make money. And that's how I feel like, you know, it's, it's like kind of charity, but it's also it's bringing a bunch of people together. Mm-hmm. Totally. All right. That's that's really good, actually. No, I agree with you. And honestly, I feel like Charlie and I could relate with that, like that idea of like, or not even idea with that facts of like, you're, you grew up eating something like very cultural 
And then if you bring that to school, a lot of kids are not used to eating it, might think it's something like, what, what is that? Yeah, because like, I'm sure, have you guys experienced it as well? Hmm, like now that I think back, like I, I don't feel like I experienced it as much just because like I felt like my parents were so busy they didn't even get a chance to sort of like make me food mm. to to go to school and so it was kind of like oh hey you know like I'll I'll you know the, you know buy lunch or something like that or like you know I, I will you know ask my friends like hey you know like um can I have part of your guys's lunch or something like that so it was yeah. kind of more so like me fending for myself it felt like <laughs> uh, and not really getting to bring sort of my culture at home so it was kind of more of a divide and so I, I okay. had more of an experience of a divide between like hey this is what my friends are doing versus this is what I'm doing at home. And mm -hmm. I guess I never really got to appreciate and, and sort of bring that culture of mine into school as much. Were um, both of your parents working at the time? They were. Yeah. Um, since like my, my parents are, you know, much older. And so I was more of a surprise baby. So they tell mm -hmm. me. <laughs> and <Same>. so, yeah. <laughs> and so like, they, they didn't expect me to come along. And at the time they were kind of like towards the, maybe mid to late part of their career. And so that, you know, they were working a lot more. And so I was mainly being taken care of by my grandma at the time. Okay. Yeah. yeah. My, um, my dad was the breadwinner. I was actually an accident baby. And so my mom was a stay at home mom. So that's the reason why she was able to like cook all this food for me. Otherwise, um, yeah, I would probably have to fend for myself too. I'm kind of curious, uh, like, so, so you're bicultural. So like, how, how did that, how was that for you just sort of growing up? And, and also like, was your environment, you know, also like, I guess, uh, part of that. Um, cause I, you know, kind of counted to me, maybe like I, I grew up in an environment where I was probably sort of few, one of the few Asians that were in the area. Mm -hmm. um, a lot, I grew up with a lot of um, you know, Hispanics, with a lot of whites, um, blacks. And so I, I, I didn't know sort of my own culture um, growing up as much. So what was it yeah. like for you? I think that my mom or my parents, my family, they did a good job of really immersing me into um, just Asian culture in general. When I was young, we actually lived in New York for a few years because my dad was going to school to get his uh, pharmacy degree. I don't remember too much, but I do have like pictures of us um, in Chinatown and of my mom like uh, bringing us to Chinese school and um, going to the temples in New York. So I think she really, you know, wanted us to have those roots and my main memories of childhood were here in California. And in terms of like culture, um, we, every Sunday, I just remember every Sunday we'd go to Garden Grove, we'd go to Alhambra, all the Asian cities. And we wouldn't really stay where we lived because that wasn't where um, any of our, our people were. Mm -hmm. And that's, and my mom also like, she couldn't really speak English that well. So um, I wasn't really exposed to, um, I would say, like American culture at a young age. We were mainly always at uh, Vietnamese town, Chinatown, whatever it may be, so that we would be able to, you know, rent these DVD videos that my dad would like to watch or just try to get us to understand um, 
different languages. And I remember a lot of times when I would order food or I would speak to anybody um, that was Chinese, they would, they would ask me and be like, oh, like, are you Chinese? Because I don't look like it. Like I'm pretty dark for a Chinese person or a Vietnamese person. And they always say like, oh, you speak really, really well. And it's kind of like how you flip it in reverse and people here are like, you speak really good English. So it's kind of like that, you know? So true. Yeah. Um, so like with that in mind, like, did you ever feel like an outsider in your own little, in your own like community? Because like you said yourself, like a lot of the other um, Asians around you wouldn't see you as the, as the identity that you are. Like for me, I'm like a white passing Mexican. So like, mm -hmm. if you're like Mexican, if you are Mexican, you're mostly going to know I'm Mexican. But if you're not yeah. Mexican, you're going to assume I'm just like white. That is a great question. I don't think I ever felt at a place. I okay. think I didn't care enough to feel that way. <laughs> um, uh, but I think probably the only times I would is if I had traveled to like an Asian country, um, like me going to Vietnam, I don't speak Vietnamese. I speak Cantonese. And okay. even though I'm part Vietnamese, so that would probably be the only time I felt out of place, but at least here in America um, or California, I never really did. We're, for the most part, we're super diverse and um, I really kept to myself. Like my mom, my parents said no to any sleepovers and sometimes no to hangouts as well. They're very strict. I would say my mom, my mom is or was a tiger mom. She's a monk now. So that's a <laughs> different story. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's really cool how open you are to sharing about this. Um, I want to dive into um, Bay in Little Tokyo. And I want to like dive into like how that got started and where do you think it's going to go in the future? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so Bay started, so I was in college and I graduated 2017. Um, I have actually been in family business my entire life. Um, starting with my dad, he used to work as like a floater for pharmacies. So he used to work at Ralph's and, you know, all the retail pharmacies. And he didn't want to do that because we always, you know, had to travel with him. Um, and sometimes it would be like two hour drives or three hour drives to get to one day of work, you know? So he started his own business. He started his own pharmacy. Um, and so I was a part of that. And then after college, my brother had an idea of um, starting like a new business and he's already had, you know, a bunch of other businesses under his belt. And this one, he wanted me to be on the team because I would be free. And I would say, you know, I'm pretty organized. And I'll do what it takes to keep a business afloat, which is what I did for the pharmacy. And he's like, hey, I want you to be CEO. I want you to start this company with me so that we could, you know, have something with your name on it. And at first I didn't want to because I abhor working with family. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> it's not my thing. And I, I've learned not to do it ever again, but you know, he came to me to me with this request and I was like, sure, I'll do it for you because you're my brother. Mm -hmm. um, and my mom too. My mom's like, you know, you should help your brother out and do it as well. And I was like, okay. Um, and it started as a coffee company. We had a bunch of people, we have investors and we have like other partners in this company. And, you know, it, it's kind of like this, it's like a round table discussion. 
and we talk about ideas that we think would pop off. You know, I'm not even an ice cream person. I don't like ice cream. I don't like sweets like that. <laughs> but I started an ice cream company. It's definitely a journey. Um, it started off as coffee. And then uh, we did coffee in, you know, complimentary to ice cream. And uh, for some reason, you know, we thought our coffee was going to pop. Like we thought it was going to like a lot of people were going to go for that, but they went for our ice cream instead. So it was against all of our data mm. <laughs> and we're like, oh, shoot, we got to invest in ice cream. So we got rid of all of our coffee. We did strictly ice cream. Um, and I think a lot of the people like consumers nowadays, they like hype stuff. And our most popular thing is a black and white ice cream. And that's super cool, I guess. And it tastes really good. And that's that's our brand. That's our main like logo. All of our aesthetic is black and white, very minimalistic. Um, and we base it off of, you know, that ice cream as well. And in terms of, you know, how I think it would go in the future, I took a step back in managing Bay. It's not something, you know, like I told you guys, I don't want to work with family. Um, and it's also something that I didn't want to do straight out of college. I went to college for a marketing degree. I wanted to be in marketing um, and that didn't happen. So after being a manager and an owner of a food restaurant for two years, I was kind of tired of it. You have to be, you know, constantly on your phone 24 seven, constantly thinking about the business and what's the next biggest product you can give to your consumers. Cause you can't go back to a restaurant and be like, oh, they have the same menu. Like there's nothing new. I'm not going to go in here anymore. So you have to think about like new ideas all the time and think about like how to make your business better. And at the same time, you have these, uh, you have minimum wage workers, right? And, you know, they're not going to move up from a job that's not corporate. And it's hard to really give them a future when there really is no more next level up. You got, you know, an employee and then you got a shift lead. And then I'm the manager and owner, you know, because I don't want to pay for a general manager. So there's really no more up you can go. And with with that, it's it's so hard because the turnover rate is so high. Um, and so in terms of uh, the future and next steps, I think right now is just trying to you know, come to terms with COVID still and really just get over that hump um, that affected businesses big time. And um, it's really just trying to stay afloat, I think. And then maybe one day we'll be able to, you know, have a franchise or sell off the business or whatnot. And we'll see, you know, what the next few years takes us and how it goes. But right now I'm just like a silent partner focusing on myself and furthering the rest of my career. Mm. That's awesome. And honestly, Bay to me is pretty successful because like you guys have a pretty significant Instagram following. It's over 35K followers, which to me is like a pretty crazy amount. Thank so, like, you. <laughs> and the, and your, the branding and aesthetic is very like pleasing and impressive. Like it, like you said before, it's very minimal. So it has like that modern modernism look to it which is really really nice you guys um do like um seasonal type like pictures like i saw the valentine's one i believe there was a saint patrick one as well so like seeing like that go into play is really fun 
it, it's a pretty cool place and like it looks pretty good so like I do want to try it <laughs> thank you a lot of it though is like I just learned like I pulled it from my you know from nowhere a lot of like learning how to like photo edit or whatever it is yeah yeah, yeah. it's just yeah just trying to keep the business float I think no, that's the best way that's the best way to learn sink or swim yeah, no, most definitely. It's always like on your feet, like hands-on mm-hmm. experience. You can't just like theoretically, like you said before with the coffee idea, like you did a bunch of research and data, like, yeah, coffee's going to yeah. stop. And then we, yeah, we consumerism is like, nah, we want ice cream. We're in mm-hmm. Southern California. It gets hot during the summer. Little Tokyo is all ramen. Like we don't want more hot stuff. We want something cold. Yeah. I agree. And what's funny is like we invested in like baristas, um, cafe, uh, like latte art. Like we had, we brought in people to teach us that too. Cause we really thought like, you know, LA coffee, that's the scene. That's the vibe that people are going for, but it was not, it was the opposite. Y'all were ready for the coffee. (laughs) Like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Was it like Vietnamese coffee? No, it was, uh, we sourced the coffee from like local vendors. We were very, we wanted to support local businesses. And so it would, it would be like, I'm not going to compare it to Starbucks, but it would be uh, like artisan coffee that we had to learn. And I, I don't, I'm not a coffee drinker. So I had to learn that too. And -hmm. it was like grinding the beans, what temperature the beans are supposed to be at, how espresso is supposed to taste. It's like a whole other art form, like a whole different world. Um, Yeah. And and Vietnamese coffee, hate to break it to you. Nothing special about it. Literally just condensed milk with like (laughs) Cafe Du Monde, um, the coffee grounds you find at the 99 Ranch. (laughs) Well, I don't drink coffee, so like I don't. Nothing's offensive. Our to listeners' me. minds are just blown right now. They're like, she, she saw, she's like totally revealing the truths, dude. <laughs> There's nothing special about it, but it's it tastes good. And it keeps you awake for days. Yes, it's all the sugar. <laughs> so, like for for the ice cream, like um, you mentioned, like you know, having to sort of diversify or having to come up with like new ideas. Do do you find that to be like more of the case than not? Like you know, because I'm thinking, like, I wonder if, like, certain ice cream places um, can have, like, their go-to, like, hey, you know what, we're going to stick to these specific flavors or these specific types of ice cream, and we're going to bank on that and do really well versus coming yeah. up with new ones. Like, do you feel like it nowadays it's kind of have to come up with, you know, sort of different varieties? I definitely think so, but it also is uh, dependent on how much your location can hold. So they're, they're, there is a difference between ice cream and soft serve. And what we do at our company is soft serve. And that is a whole nother beast compared to ice cream. Ice cream, for example, like Thrifties, Cold Stone, that is easy because they can package it and they have like, they have back stock and inventory. For soft serve, it's like this water-cooled machine that will break down every single day and so it, that's like the McDonald's joke, right? Exactly. That's okay. exactly what it is. <laughs> it it freaking sucks because nobody else like my, I don't want my employees touching that because I don't want them mm-hmm. to get electrocuted. So yeah. I have to be there to fix it. But also like you have to pour. So the soft serve is liquid, right? You pour it into mm-hmm. the machine and then you have to wait for it to churn out the soft serve. And you get customers coming in like, why isn't my ice cream ready yet? It's not like you can scoop it on like regular ice cream, but because of those limitations, because you need a machine to have um, soft serve, 
it really limits how much one location can have. Um, if you think about it, it's like Yogurtland. Yogurtland's also soft serve. Mm-hmm. Um, they use those types of machines too, and they don't have like too much variety. And they're always constantly switching out their flavors as well. But those machines, they're not regular, like 120 volts. You have to get like certain um, outlets for it that can handle that capacity. But the big kicker is also if your breaker does not have that like limit or amount to, you know, um, handle those machines, you could only put as many machines as the breaker will let you do. So because of that, you have to keep rotating um, flavors. Uh, The only flavors that we have is like that we'll have constantly is our black and white one, which is the one that does the best and probably um, our Pegasus flavor, which is Cinnamon Toast Crunch and Fruity Pebbles. Whoa. That sounds fire. <laughs> Whoa. Hello. Other Pegasus. than that, everything has to be rotated because people like to have new things. And the black and white one is like charcoal, right? Charcoal yes. flavor. Charcoal, pineapple, and vanilla. It's called our mixed feelings. Oh, wow. This sounds amazing. <laughs> I got to go try this. <laughs> I look at Charlie and I next weekend. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Little Tokyo. That's a awesome. lot of it too is like um, Yelp reviews. They yeah. can get you. Do you have you ever had like a really really like painful like Yelp review? Oh hell yeah! <laughs> and what what was it mainly? Was was it like the pricing, the food? Was it like bad experience? Like what did they complain about the most? Everything. <laughs> oh um, <my> god! <laughs> but you also have to keep in mind a lot of these people want free stuff, um, mm. and as a business, like you know, I want to show that I'm you know reaching out to them, addressing their needs. And I'm going to offer them something to, you know, make up for the terrible experience that they had. But some of them is like so blatantly a lie that I'm just like, where are you getting this information from? But there are a lot of times, you know, Yelp reviews address like my employees or um, the food is too expensive because I'm not going to lie. It is pretty expensive for, you know, soft serve. I think right now it's like $7 for a cone or in a cup. Mm. Um which is also what you would buy for like a pint of ice cream, but it's different. Soft serves creamier, ice cream's icier. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure yours is more quality as well. <laughs> yes, we put our heart into it. You know, our <laughs> our 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 motto is "With love from Bay." Yeah, and- <laughs> I wonder how much Somi Somi is because Somi Somi is like an, like soft serve as well, isn't it? They are. Somi Somi is uh, pretty cheap, but the the difference is that. Um, Somi Somi is a franchise yeah. uh, and for us Very small business yeah small business we get it at a yeah. at a higher price they get it at a lower discounted rate mm. um, that they have with uh, the soft sale soft serve retailers um, and they do put less in their in their cones than we do we like uh, stack ours up. <laughs> if you want quantity and quality go to bay in mm. little tokyo <laughs> See, I, I feel like not a lot of people know that like like i, I didn't even know that because if i'm if i'm going to a place and like you know getting whatever i'm getting like i'm I, I wouldn't know if it was like small business versus franchise versus yeah. how much is provided versus how much it costs for the you know the people who are running it so that's that's good insight yeah, and just just for the plug because I'm feeling it. Baylo, Tokyo, three six nine East Second Street, <laughs> Los Angeles, California, nine zero zero twelve. Uh, open Monday through Sunday. Bam. Yes. Open Please go, guys. We'll put it in the description. We'll 1 in the description. <laughs> Tag us in whatever photos you guys take. 
yeah at i do Bay see that Tokyo. i do see that in your stories you your um bay does like um reshare every like story that people post about them huh? yeah yeah we like to have that engagement there yeah no that's cool so like talk seeing that like you're the, the um is it would it be considered a restaurant like technically like is it is, it, is that like the most technical term yes so seeing that your restaurant is in little tokyo and little tokyo is considered skid row have you ever had any kind of like incidents there whether it be just like random or racist or just anything like mm-hmm. that all the time <laughs> sadly sad to say and we it's funny because you know we get regulars and uh-huh. it's like regular homeless people that come into our shop and we do try to be nice to them and tell them like hey you can't be in here um or because we have the right to refuse service to anyone, especially if they're causing, you know, our customers to feel uncomfortable. And a lot of times they come in and they try to ask for money or, um, you know, sometimes our customers would buy them soft serve, which is also really nice too. But what I noticed is when we do try to be nice to them, they'll keep, they keep coming back. And I don't have a problem if they're, being like cordial and friendly but I do have a problem when they're not respecting you know our rules and respecting anybody else's uh, boundaries and one incidence was uh, this lady actually a few one of them was that they came in without a shirt on and mind you this was a woman so her boobs were everywhere and that wasn't okay so we had to kick her out Another one was um, she was just spitting. I don't know what. And I had to kick her out, too. But she was just yelling at me. And when I got her towards the door or like at least like a foot out, she just spit like almost on my face, but on the floor, thankfully, um, next to my shoes. And it can get rough. Like there there's times where we have to call the police as well. And there's times, um, Little Tokyo, I don't know if you guys know this, they have their own um, security. And we also have to call them to try and kick them out as well as the local like sheriff station because I don't want my employees getting hurt mm-hmm. trying to um, you know, have like a peaceful environment for our customers. Dang. And yeah. do you feel like, this on this happens more often at your location because you're closer to the like the exits or entrances or something or is it just like something that com- that happens like commonly across the entire little tokyo area it's definitely common across little tokyo we're literally okay. like a street away from skid Ro- or from skid row but even though we're considered skid row which is something that us as business owners we fought over them like you know, moving the property line. And I don't know if you guys know this, but every few years, Skid Row moves. They literally have to move the homeless people in different like locations. But um, I also have a friend who owns a donut shop uh, like across the street from Little Tokyo and not a shameless plug, but it's Donatsu. So if you guys ever want donuts, feel free. It's, ve- <laughs> it's vegan donuts, by the way. Um but they have a dumpster right around the corner from their shop. And, uh, and it's a part of this alleyway and homeless people, they like to sleep there. They've caught them 
doing the thing, the birds and the bees in the back. They caught them starting dumpster fires in their dumpster. So it's definitely an issue that we try to combat, but there's nothing that we can do because, you know, they live there. Like that's their home. Do you feel like um, with COVID happening and, and sort of with the uprise and just sort of like, you know, racism, like, do you feel like a lot more activity has been happening recently? I think so. I yeah. think, you know, it's important. Like, it's good that you brought that up, actually, because this is a very important topic to address. And a lot of the Asian communities have been affected. And like, have you guys been to Chinatown recently at all? I have not. I, I don't live near there. Not recently for me. Yeah, Chinatown is like a ghost town. Um, mm-hmm. They are in the process of like gentrifying it with like Howlin' Rays and a bunch of other well-known uh, restaurants. But I think, you know, there are there is a rise in Asian hate crimes. I've experienced it myself. Like I would just be walking down the street and someone actually yelled at me like, go back to China or you or like, they also said, like, you started freaking COVID. I don't even look Chinese, mind you, but I, I do look Asian, even with a mask on. But still, <laughs> like, it's it's something that I don't know why we as America, like, have that. Like, we're literally the most diverse country in the world. There's so many people that me and Martine work with that are from, like, other countries, and they don't have, like, the type of cultures and foods that we have, you drive down, you know, you drive like 15 minutes and you could get Mexican food. You drive another block and you're in K-Town, you Mm -hmm. know? So I don't know why we're not, we don't celebrate diversity and literally the basis of what America is made on. But yeah, there's a lot of Asian hate and because of COVID and now that, you know, vaccines are rolling out and whatnot, I think, I think it needs to be addressed. And I think our our country, our government should have more Asian representation in it, or at least like minorities. And that that could bring more attention to this type of topic and a focus on diverting um, this hate towards minorities. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Just because I, I, I wonder too, you know, if when this pandemic kind of slowly you know, passes or, you know, when vaccines are start to happen, I wonder if, you know, things will continue to be like this or in some way, you know, will, will we somehow learn and get better? Um, at least that's my hope. Uh, of course, hoping that things don't sort of revert back or happen again to be like this. You know, I really hope that we can understand like, hey, you know what, we're all able to appreciate what we value about each other and not sort of have this hate that's been spewing around and turn into violence actually, which is even yeah. worse. Um, so, I mean, I, I, one of the things I, I was kind of talking to someone about the other day, which is about this idea of intersectionality that we're all so diverse in that not, we don't struggle with just one issue. We're, we're sort of multidimensional and, and we, we're, because we're so intersectional between our culture, between our genders, so many different things, like we don't just struggle with one issue. It's a multi-issue thing that with this sort of racism, COVID, everything that it, it's all sort of interconnected and it's all sort of a larger issue that we need to address. I agree. It's definitely an amalgamation of 
you know, a bunch of little things put together and then it becomes something huge. Um, like have, have you guys experienced or seen any like hate crimes or Asian crimes that happened recently? Like in person? Yeah. Or has any, or like to you, like has, have you've been like, you know, the point of hate for someone Charlie, anything? I, 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 you know what's, you know, that you bring that up. Like, I almost feel like a sense of guilt to say mm-hmm. that I haven't, and 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 I feel guilty just because it's like, you know, I, I, I start to reflect like, why haven't I? You know, why are other people who I see on social media, who I see in the news, are impacted by this? And it could be, you know, where I live. Maybe it's you know, not like that, or, um, you know, but I, I, it's one of those things where it's like, I, I, I I haven't seen it personally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you should feel guilt at all. Like if, if there's one thing I should say, it's that, you know, maybe where you're living at, they're doing it right. Mm -hmm. They're not, you know, exposing you to, um, hate crimes or whatnot that you can experience yourself, which is good. And which is needed, you know, all all over the place. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think the main focus is just trying to get publicity to these, to these topics and, and try to, you know, turn it around. Yeah, no, most definitely. And that's what we want to do with our podcast. Like we want to be able to bring, um, that attention to those topics through this platform where people can listen with an open mind and then they can create their own opinions using facts rather than like, you know, misrepresented information that's trying to skew a certain agenda like no 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 our our objective is make sure you have the information available with data to back it up and then you can make your opinion because for you to stay truthful to that opinion is to be the most important thing because that Mm -hmm. means it's like truthful and honest to you rather than us trying to like feed ideas into your head like no 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 guys yeah this is what this is the facts these are facts yeah 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 (laughs) and it's like okay well what where's the data or anything to back it up Huh? Mm-hmm. No, nah, no, nah, we don't need data. What are you talking about? Like, we don't want to f- spread fake news. We want to spread like the most yeah. genuine topics. Yeah, and if anything, I, I think what what we we and I hope others can you know start to do as well is just we're thick we're thickening the story. You know, there's mm-hmm. more to it than what people just see for face value. We have to be able to bring multiple perspectives and and be able to hear from many different people who have different experiences to see like, hey, you know what? Like, you know, I I. I know this person and they're not anything like that. Or I, I know, mm-hmm. you know, of, you know, these groups of people and they're not like that. And it's like being able to have people challenge what they believe to be true from what they've heard before and at least start to make that switch in their life. I agree. It could, you don't even have to do much either. You could listen to this podcast, keep <laughs> it in mind, you know, like that these, this is what is affecting the world and your environment today. And, you know, it could be as simple as like sharing a post, trying to get, you know, people to see your post. You don't have to donate to charities or anything, but just, you know, be aware of what's happening around you and how you can help or bring attention to it. I love that. And like, while we're on it, you, you are a co-host of your own podcast. Can we talk about that for like a couple minutes? Like, yeah. Like, tell us more about it, like what you and your co-host talk about and what, what viewers or listeners can expect. Or even both, actually, because you have it on YouTube as well. 
Yeah. Yes. So our main focus is actually YouTube, um, mm-hmm. but we do, we do, you know, record audio and whatnot. And we post um, some of our, uh, I guess the audio from YouTube that can be uh, relayed in podcast form where you don't really need visuals uh-huh. and we'll put it on there. And what we mainly talk about is um, media and entertainment and, you know, just topics that we like to talk about. So kind of like new shows or whatnot. And sometimes we'll have um, like a deep dive into uh, discussions that like, or theories or topics that really hit us. For example, one would be um, soul. Uh, have you guys seen that one? Yeah. That yep. show from Disney? Yes. So that, that was a great movie. And one thing that we did talk about was like religion and how it's reflected in that movie and how, um, you know, Disney is a very, very like politically correct company and they don't really you know transverse into the gray area and that's exactly what that movie is and that's how it's kind of like represented with these people in heaven and how there's rebirth and I'm not a Christian or a Catholic I'm not sure if there's like rebirth in the Bible or whatnot but I know like reincarnation is something that is in you know like Buddhist culture and in some other religions and and whatnot. So I thought that was it was really cool to see um, that reflected in an American movie. And so th- those are like just some topics that we talk about. We like we do like to keep it like light though. We don't want to be too deep because a lot of our listeners are fans of um, Avatar: The Last Airbender, and that's what our YouTube and notice. yeah, that's what our YouTube <laughs> and podcast started from. <laughs> Good choice. Good choice. Um, Granted, Atla is a very, very, you know, uh, I want to say like mature show for kids too. Honestly, yeah. Rewatching it when it first came back to Netflix last year or not came back to Netflix, but like when Netflix released it last year, I was like, oh my yeah. God, there's like so much adult like um, themes there, right? Ideology. Yeah. It's like yeah. symbolism and stuff. There's segregation, there's prejudice, mm-hmm. there's hate crimes. This is why it's <laughs> the best animated show of all time. <laughs> Like no no cap whatsoever. <laughs> um, yeah, about your Bible question, I can, I don't know. Like I did grow up Catholic, but I can never read <laughs> I never read the Bible, so I can't confirm that. But I I do like what you're talking about, and I just saw Raya last night. Mm-hmm. I I really enjoyed it. Like it took me a while to finally watch it, but it was such an epic, like really well made film. I thought, and I really think the representation was pretty good. Yeah, there was my friend. Uh, she's Thai and she's like oh my god they got a lot of Thai uh inspiration from I feel that I feel that (laughs) she's like to the way they're bowing and like speaking to their elders and stuff and I'm like damn that's it's cool I'm glad Disney did their research (laughs) yeah I think they they tend to do a good job when they like cover or they do films based on like certain cultures like they do an extensive amount of research I know that not on Mulan well, yeah, yeah, I was about to say like modern <laughs> modern Disney is a lot more progressive than it was back in the '90s. Be like for Coco, like Coco, I think is a really good representation. Good. Now there are some people who might think the the Mexicans in there were violent and aggressive, but I I totally see that in my household. So I know it's real. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I can totally see like like any one of my tias come at me with a chunkle and like try yes. to throw it at me. Like, that's that's real to me. <laughs> yes, and to clarify though, I was talking about the live action Mulan just in case oh, okay yeah, yes yeah. okay for sure for sure <laughs> that's not modern that is so modern to the Disney no it is 
there was a lot of hate for that one but yeah yeah <laughs> contractually um you and i can't say bad things about milan so it's a great film Yes, <laughs> it's a great film we love it disney so i could say I all the bad that. stuff then charlie can yes. say the honest truth charlie must... actually told me to say that yeah charlie I did, mentioned I did. yes yes <laughs> we did not want to i loved milan yeah. and i paid the 30 dollars <laughs> me too me too Wink. i support disney wholeheartedly yeah. wandavision hell yeah yeah, that I could stand by. Yes, that yeah. one. I, I, paid, I happily paid another thirty dollars for Raya. I had no shame. I was like, I'm buying it right now. I'm not waiting for the drive-in. <laughs> but I'm glad you guys like it, and I'm glad you know Disney is is you know trying to represent a bunch of different cultures. Yeah, I, I like the you know from what I took away from it, it, it really had that sort of like authentic representation. Because um, if, if you know, like, like you said, you know, I, I was able to see qualities from my upbringing and my life throughout mm-hmm. the movie, which was really cool because it's like, wow, like I thought this was just sort of hidden between what I lived in at home. But now it's like, oh, OK, cool. Everybody can see that. And at least that's what I hope one day, you know, things can start to be more normalized where it's like, oh, I don't have to have that divide. I can could, I could start to feel like, hey, other people yeah. see me as well. Other people see what this looks like from my experience my lived experience and and I can start to see other people's lived experiences that maybe they had in their upbringing I agree and if if there's one thing that entertainment does best is that it brings people together like it's a celebration of culture Uh, a great example is Black Panther like that was a great movie that brought like everyone together and it was a celebration of African-American culture and I think the more that we are exposed because because I don't think, um, you know, Asian culture is really prominent in media today, at least in the States. Um, and I think that the more that we're exposed to it, people would have like more of an understanding and whatnot of how we are as a community and how we're represented. Definitely. Hopefully we can see that in um, Shang-Chi when it eventually comes out and it doesn't get pushed yeah. back after like, the <laughs> third time. <laughs> so we'll find out there. Um, I want to ask you because I know that you're currently studying at the University of Southern California, taking classes in data analytics, which is very impressive. And you know, you're you're a very intelligent person, so like obviously I wasn't surprised when you, when you told me. But I want to see like um, your perspective and opinion on like how it is being a woman in data and any kind of like gender gaps or things you've seen. Mm-hmm in that industry and if you want to like expand on that okay uh surprisingly the class that i'm in has a fair amount of women so okay. i'm i'm glad i thought i was going to be like one of the only chicks in this group uh, but thankfully no and i think in terms of data analytics i think you know i see a lot of women representation in, in there there are groups too specifically for women in data or women in tech. Uh, And for the pay gap, I'm not too sure yet. I haven't gotten paid for being in data, but I would, I would love to, (laughs) but so I can't speak too much on that, but in terms of gender gap, I hope, you know, this is a, a issue everywhere. And I hope that we're able to bridge that kind of divide and have it be, you know, more, cohesive. A lot of women also don't tend to think data is the sexiest thing to be working in either, 
or tech. And I think, you know, maybe it should be shown in a different light. Maybe, you know, it should be taught too at a young age that it's okay to be nerdy. It's okay to, you know, like things that other people don't think are cool. And I think that's also, you know, maybe that's a problem that we grew up in with. Um, I don't know if you guys have experienced it, but it's like, ew, you like math, (laughs) you know, (laughs) or like what typically like what children wanted to be was like actors or, you know, actresses, something that was someone who someone who's famous or, you know, a doctor or whatnot, which is definitely, you know, in a, in a medical field, but I've never heard of someone saying like, I want to be in tech. I want to be, you know, building computers and writing code and stuff. I've never heard a child say that. And I think that's something that should be exposed to children and to females, especially um, just to have them have the option, you know, know that there is an option and that this is an industry that you can be a part of. Mm-hmm. What, what got you sort of like passionate about it? And maybe when did that start for you? Um, I have a really good friend who's in data analytics and he has a great career in it. And I think what really got me into it was when it was like the, around the two year mark that I was working, um, at Bay and I was not in the best place of my life. Um, I wasn't where I force like foresee myself at. Um, and I just started to look into, things that I thought that I would like to do. And my friend introduced me into data analytics and he's like, Hey, this is the future. This is where you should be in. You should give it a try and see how you like it. And the way he explained it to me was that it's like a puzzle. It's like a board game. Cause he knows I always have like board game parties. I'm a huge board game nerd. I have a board game collection. Martin, why am I just finding out about this right now? Like, (laughs) hold on. I'm also just finding out about this. So Christine, (laughs) when we get vaccinated, let's go. Please. I'm down. I want to join. (laughs) I have a board game collection. I always, um, I watch like tabletop games (laughs) that geek and sundry, you know? Yes. This is you're speaking my language here. Christine, fin- yes. finish finish um the topic you're talking about, and then we're gonna jump into the board games. Okay, okay. So he he introduced me into data analytics and he's like, if you like board games, if you like puzzles, if you like trying to solve problems, this is for you. And it's true because you're really just trying to find the solution to a question. And that's that's you know, at to just say to summarize what data analysis is, it's exactly that. You just try to find solutions to questions that maybe people haven't asked or to questions that people are asking. I love that. And yeah, that's what got me into it. (laughs) That's legit. Okay. So Charlie, who is a proud owner of over what, 60 board games, maybe more now at this point. Plus, yeah. It's like, yeah, we have like a shelf that's like literally overflowing. No, it's not a shelf. (laughs) I have like board games like on the side, like surrounding this such shelf. I don't have any room at all. (laughs) It's it's a mountain. (laughs) Basically, yeah. But uh yeah, Christine, what's what's sort of like your favorite board game? And I I can kind of gauge, you know, sort of board game enthusiasts. If they say Monopoly, I'm just like, eh. But if you go the (laughs) other direction, I'm like, okay, okay, I see. (laughs) Okay. It's a, it's it's sorry. Just kidding. It's not. (laughs) (laughs) No. Okay. Well, I want to say the very first board game that got me hooked onto board games was Catan. 
Yes. And yeah. that that's a great, you know, family game available everywhere for you to try. If you and... want to lose family members, yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it is. I would say, okay, if, for those of you who haven't played Catan or Catan, however you pronounce it, it's like Monopoly, but on a much like deeper scale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then I would say right now, one of my favorites would probably be between survive and sequence because i do like to think um i would have to say i don't really like um those games where like have you played avalon before i have not uh secret hitler yeah it's it's like that secret hitler i i'm I'm not a big fan of those okay okay (laughs) i think it's because i i suck at lying so it's like very hard for me to win because everyone's like, Christine's it. <laughs> Christine, what about our Among Us games? I, dude, honestly, Among Us, I'm not that great at either. I hate lying. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't particularly enjoy those. I like strategy games. Um, I love Sequence. Sequence is my favorite game. <laughs> it's that is a strategy game. I have not I lost love- once. <laughs> what? Uh-huh. Yes. How many times have you played Sequence? I literally, my friend, he introduced it to me the like three days ago, and we've played oh, okay. a bunch of games, and I okay. haven't lost once. I've been playing for like years with my family, so like for you to say that, like how long have been playing? Because oh, like that's a game you I just wish. go back and forth with, to be honest. Yeah, but to be fair, we also only played with two teams. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't oh, okay, a okay. three-team game, which yeah, would have made it a lot harder. Fun. Uh, what's the one that you got me for the? Uh, the white elephant that we did at, at work. Oh, that one was um, the the Disney edition one. Uh, code names, code oh, names, code names, code names. Yes, okay. I have played villainous. Villainous is pretty fun too. Um, man, I need to look at my collection because it's been COVID has totally shut down my board game like hangouts and whatnot. My family does not like board games, so I have no one else to play with besides my friends. Uh, yeah. Have you guys played Letters to Whitechapel? That that game, <laughs> I played it was like I played it a couple of times and I was like, I I cannot play the person who's trying to strategize around this. Like I yeah. I suck at this. <laughs> like my wife destroys me every single time because <laughs> I'm just like I don't know where I'm going. I'm just like it's, it's bad. Yeah, safe to say that is a long game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're in for a good one. And funnily enough. Um, not about Letters to Whitechapel, but when the pandemic started, I started playing Pandemic. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I lost every single time. Makes you feel like real life. <laughs> yes. It happened. Uh, yeah. I know. I'll go for it, Charlie. Oh, no, I was just going to say, like, um, I, I don't promote this very much, but, like, if you get a chance, check out, like, my, um, my Instagram that I created for board game reviews. Um, I try to put it up. Uh, new board game reviews on there. Uh, it's called So Board Games on Instagram. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I follow it now. Yeah. Um, I would say if you like games like Survive, um, I mean, check out like one of my favorite games, like Terraforming Mars. Um, that's a really good one. I also like Istanbul. Uh, those are pretty good. And then Splendor is always a good classic one too. That is a classic one. Mm-hmm. I do like to, it, I do like to play D&D as well. Like that's, I play it with one of our coworkers. <laughs> also, if you guys ever get the chance, um, my we do like 
me and my friends, we do YouTube videos for board games and we just, you know, record our, our, um, our games. That's so awesome. feel free to be a guest. <laughs> I might partake in that. <laughs> yes. I know Charlie has been to the board game convention a couple of years back in Indiana, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was a pretty cool experience. I mean, honestly, we just won tickets like on Instagram, I mean, um, on Twitter and it, it was a pretty interesting experience. Like I thought it was going to be more intimate, but it was pretty large, like huge mm-hmm. convention center, um, a whole bunch of like different booths and mm-hmm. um, different board games going on. It was basically like Comic-Con, but for board games. Um, That's freaking and, dope. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What's now, your guys? Thing, Sorry. <laughs> oh, no, no. I was just going to say like the one thing I, I sort of didn't enjoy about it, I guess, like people, they're pretty like hardcore competitive. Like, yeah. you know, and so my wife and I have first time going, we're just like, oh, okay, we just want to like, you know, meet some people, play some games with them, learn some new games. But then they were just like cutthroat, like, no, we want to, we want to beat you and we want to make you, make sure you know it. I was like, okay, <laughs> cool. All right. I don't know. You like that. Like we're not that tight. <laughs> yeah. <but all> right. <laughs> yeah. People are crazy. You'd have to find like the groups that are like, okay, we're all newbies here. <laughs> yeah. 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 So what are, what are your guys' favorite board games? Oh, for me, it's sequence. Hole. It's sequence for sure. <laughs> Play a lot of sequence and Mexican train growing up. Oh, seriously? I didn't know. Yeah. Like, wow. Yeah. But I like Secret Hitler. We had never lost in it. So <laughs> freaking love that game. <laughs> you should try Avalon. It's very similar. To I've been Secret told Hitler. that. I'm not sure. Yeah. It was, I don't know if it was Charlie who told me that. Maybe not Charlie, but someone did tell me to try Avalon. Or if you like Lion Games, Coup is a good one too. Mm. Okay. I know I tried doing like a Talon Salem in person type mm. thing with my friends like a few years ago. It didn't go anywhere. They didn't want they didn't want to get into it. Like, you know, you know how Talon saying like the like the person who's narrating is kind of like, huh, so this person was doing this last night and then they were doing this. And then Martine walked around oh, and got shot. You know yeah. What I, mean? what I know that as is mafia. Mafia, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mafia as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it didn't go anywhere. So we just gave up. <laughs> they thought it was too nerdy. I was like, come on, guys. Come on, Charlie, now's your time. You got a chance to think. Okay. So I, I, I'm going to cheat and go sort of two directions. So like okay. one of my favorite, because um, I enjoy card games. Um, so one of my favorite card games, it's called Smash Up. And it, you know, you sort of take two different like decks and smash it together um, and you battle against another person. So it's kind of like, you know, playing Pokemon with you know oh, another person. But is it, it, it kind of like super fights? Yeah, it's kind of like super fights. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I, I've spent way too much money on expansions for Smash Up that I dare not <laughs> speak of. <laughs> um, and then in terms of like, I also enjoy like collaborative games that kind of have like a betrayer aspect to it. So one of my Ooh. favorite games is uh, Dead of Winter. So it's like a zombie based uh, collaborative, but betrayer aspect to it as well. That actually reminds me one of, it's hard to put, you know, it's hard to pick a, a your favorite, but one of my favorites is also, um, the betrayal at house on the hill yes really good one (laughs) martine we have to play that one day oh we will we will (laughs) now that you mentioned that you like card games have you ever played like magic the gathering or anything like that i did yeah i I used to do that and uh, and also Yu-Gi-Oh. yeah very (laughs) the community there is very hardcore yes (laughs) yes (laughs) 
more so than board games it's oh yeah <laughs> yeah i stopped after synchro summoning when i got to that pendulum summoning and like xyz i was like nah no, too <laughs> much. I don't uh, even know. I'm good. No, yeah, it got it got pretty intense. Like my when I got to college, my friend was part of this Yu-Gi-Oh um organization, like a club, right? And yeah. they were, they played like they put in competitions, they played for money and stuff. And he told me, like, hey, you told me you played Yu-Gi-Oh! Do you want to join? I'm like, and I knew for sure, like, wait, what, what cards do you guys use though? Because if it's anything past like the third generation, I'm screwed. I can't play against you. It's like Oh, you never played pendulum summoning? I was like, no. So he showed me real quick. So I'm like, use a synchro summoning, which is like when you like, um, you have like this thing called tuner, and this uh -huh. tuner monster can help you synchro summon based on the, the level of stars. When pendulum summoning is like some complicated shit that he <laughs> literally he showed me in his first turn. Like he was the one who started the game and he had five of his pendulum monsters on there. That's Yikes. like having like five fusion monsters or five synchro oh, monsters. Okay. Like, it's, Jesus. like it's like the top monsters, you know? It's kind of like, <laughs> yeah. okay, so it's my turn. I put one monster face down defense mode and three trap cards. Like, you know what I mean? It's kind of like, yeah. what that am I going to do? Broken. <laughs> it, it, yeah. It's super broken. And just like the other night, um, he showed me this pro Yu-Gi-Oh player who literally summoned his five best monsters in his very first turn because mm -hmm. he like he oh basically had this card that can go from the graveyard to the field then you can pull it from the deck into your hand and if you happen to have it in your hand with one of the monsters on the field you can summon it automatically from your hand and it just kept going and going and going Dude. and it's kind of like, how do you beat that it just it's so broken yeah so. those are so hard because you have to keep up you gotta read all the cards and everything <sighs> Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that was that was my 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 joy. That was my that's what really <laughs> taught me math. How to do math in my head. They, we play with eight thousand um, life points, and we didn't have papers or pencils. Wow. <laughs> I, didn't wanna, mm -hmm. I didn't want to waste my notebook, so I'd be the one who would keep track of four people's life points all in my head. Oh my so god. Like, he's like, how much do you have? Um, he has forty six hundred. He has thirty four. He has sixty two, and I still have eight thousand because that was that's always the best. Crazy. Always the best. But, but good to know. I'm glad you guys are, you know, fellow nerds. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I've been fellow missing geeks. board game, board game gatherings. I've missed yes. this so much. Charlie took me to my first escape room. <gasps> what? Yeah. You've never, what? No, wow. Charlie took me to my first one and it was a kind of like a competition one. So it was kind of weird. I didn't expect it. Yeah. It was kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> like I didn't know, be going into, I was kind of confused. Like I don't, I, I wasn't sure until maybe like the halfway mark. I was like, oh, so we're competing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I wow. thought we were trying to like escape. So I didn't really get into it, but it, was, yeah, it wasn't of, your um... traditional one. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask. What type of escape room was it? It was, well, the yeah, place was in, um, try to remember. I think it was in Orange County. And yeah, it was for it, yeah, it was a um a site like kind of like an asylum um mental hospital type of theme. And then like you go in and the thing is you yes, you're trying to escape, but the, the idea is that you're actually competing with each other. Um, but you may you may not know who your team members are. Um oh. yeah, so it's it was really like convoluted. I was like Okay, I'm sorry, Marthy, for introducing <laughs> you to the first escape room and this being it. <laughs> See, and it's crazy because after we finished on the drive back, I was actually thinking in my head, but I was like, shit, this is all the ways I could have cheated and lied to oh them and tried to get my way to win. Yeah. Because I didn't understand it yet until we finished. I was like, oh, so it's like this. So I thought of all these different ways to kind of like trick his wife <laughs> to trusting me. And it would have worked, but I made one like big mistake when she, she kind of noticed like, okay, he's not good. He's a bad guy. 
Yeah. And I really you can't get anything past my wife. I'm sorry. No, but if I just would have done it the way that I thought of afterwards, like, oh, that would have made more sense had I done this. I don't, I don't think she would have realized, but who knows? Um, maybe she was just a, a clutch pro that would have still yeah. sought through me. Uh, it was still fun. Like, unfortunately, that was only like three months before the pandemic, so we didn't get a chance to do another one. Yeah. Well, hopefully, you know, it changes. I'm not sure how they're going to, they'd have to like sanitize everything people touch. So mm-hmm. it'll be very difficult, but yeah. I love escape rooms. I want us to do one together. That'd be fun. Um, I have done a horror, a horror themed escape room in Canada and it was like Japanese themed and uh-huh. it was the scariest shit of my life. So I'd what? probably tell me not, about it. I don't think I would ever do a horror themed one again, but oh, wow. <laughs> Wait, like, were there actors that would, like, jump scare you and stuff? No, but the funny thing is the um, mannequins, I guess, like, the the fake people. And there was only, like, two fake girls in the room. They were based off of the host, the real host that, you know, booked us and stuff. And so, like, I saw her face in the freaking like mirror with like the hair and dead mm-hmm. in the bathroom mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, what the hell? And what's funny is like, we were stuck on a problem. And so we had to call for help and she came out of nowhere from behind us. And like, I turned around and I just started screaming because, you know, <laughs> I saw her dead in the bathtub and then I saw her like alive behind me. <laughs> so I don't know. There was a bunch of stuff. There were at one point, like, there were some motion sensor triggering like every time you walk up the stairs and it was a um it was an apartment uh escape room so Mm. there are two levels you had to walk up the stairs and there was a motion sensor that triggers a response of like this little boy that says like why didn't you save me why didn't you like take me away from this place no no i'm out i'm out (laughs) (laughs) but mind you it was like there was also like japanese going on too and yeah, it was just super freaky. We had to play a harp that opened up a door to a slide and mm. we had to slide through darkness to like another hidden section. Yeah, it was it was pretty crazy, but it, it was fun. But I would never do it again because I, I was too freaked out after that's that. such an interactive experience. That's it like, sounds cool. That sounds minus really the, the scary cool. shit. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I would go to like the escape room. They have like conventions too, just like board games. Mm-hmm. So I, I would try to go there. But have, have you, you know. done any like in the uh, like LA area? I have. Um, okay. We've done like some team bonding exercises in escape rooms. They're like the best way to have your team to bond. Um, but I would say the LA area, the escape rooms just, it wasn't on par to, because my very first one, which was that horror one. Mm-hmm. I don't think anything can top that experience because I was scared shitless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the only, like the good one in LA that I've been to has been Escape Room LA. Like that happened to be our first one. And it was like, I, I kind of gauge an escape room. Like if I can't, if we can't solve it, like it was pretty good because it was challenging enough. And it was something where like we, it, we couldn't just like slide through every puzzle. Um, and I, I would go back to that one just because they have a lot of different, um, like rooms that they've developed uh in terms of like horror ones i no i'm i refuse i'm never <laughs> gonna do a horror one <laughs> you should do one just for the experience if, if just you to know, say you tried it once <laughs> well i have an irrational fear of female ghosts 
So Christine, if you ever, you know, pass away, do not haunt me, please. <laughs> so specific. Very, very specific. Yeah. Did you Don't ever, worry. Did, did you ever play Call of Duty Black Ops 2 zombie mode? I did, yeah. You Is that did? the Nazi zombie one? They all have Nazis, I think. But for oh. Call of Duty Black Ops 2, they had a map called Buried. And to go pack-a-punch your gun, there's like female ghosts that go after you. No, no. And to me, that's one of my favorite maps because that's the maps that scares me the most. Because they, they're like what you would imagine, Charlie. You just turn around, they're right in your face. I don't want to imagine. I'm, I'm okay. Like, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> like, it's so, it's terrifying, dude. Like, I, I, when I was playing, it was the summer after high school with my friends. And we were playing till like two o'clock at night. And I'm just playing it. I'm just going to go upgrade my gun so I can kill the zombies. And as soon as I pack a punch, <laughs> I turn around. There's like three in your face. And I will le- like legit screech. And my parents would tell me, shut up. And I'm like, legit, like, ah! <laughs> like uh, it's sorry. I just want to expand on your little thing. <laughs> I hate horror games too. Same thing. It's just, it was just called the zombies. It's not that scary, actually. That's the only aspect that's ever been scary to me. Mm. oh man can't i can't do it resident evil silent hill oh yeah nah, i'm good five <laughs> night at freddy's <laughs> um i i have i will never go to a not scary farm or universal like horror nights i just i can't oh those are actually not too bad i've done those i don't know man like i don't like horror movies i don't really i'm not a fan and yeah <laughs> i'm a scaredy cat i could do gore i can't do mm. paranormal yeah. I don't know. I don't know about me. Maybe both. Neither. No. <laughs> I love how we're just spilling all our fears and yes. like, <laughs> the things that scare us. <laughs> I'm really getting to know you guys, you know, on a different level. <laughs> what to do when you piss me off. <laughs> I hate <Yeah>. clowns. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, any last questions, everybody? Statements, comments, plugins, shout outs? I did want to ask one last question. Um, Going back to the food um, that you you brought up uh, in the beginning, so like for because I I was starting to look at like the I, I probably can't pronounce it the so like the the manto and the the zhong zhi yeah no. okay no um, but yeah <laughs> no but yeah, I, I'm, yeah. I, I'm I'm trying <laughs> yeah um so for those ones like do you enjoy like more of the sort of like like savory ones or more of the dessert ones ooh. It's funny because the the zhongzi, um, that one is savory, or there there are sweet ones, but for the most part, they're all savory. And what my family, uh, what we do is that we'll heat it up and we'll eat it with sugar. So yeah. we'll like pour <laughs> sugar on top of it, dip it in sugar, and eat it that way. So you get that little bit of sweet and savory. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then the mantau for that, um, I like. Have you tried the like barbecue steamed barbecue pork ones? Yeah. Those I love those. Those are my favorite. But okay. I also like the custard filled ones. So, I love yeah. all of them. I love all forms of carbs. <laughs> 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 but yeah, if you guys have the chance, I would love to, you know, you know, give you guys some or take you guys out to experience it. Yes, um please. and I'd also like to try, you know, some of your guys's uh culture food. Yeah, yeah. I, I got I got you some Thai food. No worries. Hell yeah. Text it to me. Text me. I love Thai food. Um, your boyfriend's Mexican, so I'm pretty sure 
you're, yes that's you're true good there. yeah you're good you're there. good there <laughs> you're good. you don't you don't need me <laughs> his family got me i guess yeah, they got you. <laughs> you know what's crazy he doesn't even like mango and i'm like how are you hispanic <laughs> well you he found out recently that I'm, I'm allergic to avocado so that's true that's true you can't even eat guacamole so no well, that's unfortunate I, like I still eat sushi so basically if the avocado touches my lips that's when I get the irritation but oh. if I just like ah. go home if I like wide open my like, if I open my mouth wide enough and just make sure this the, like the sushi roll doesn't hit my my lips I'm pretty good good huh. to know so once it gets okay. in <laughs> once it gets in I'm good very interesting yeah a lot of my yeah. is like irritation around my lips because of my eczema mm, okay this was a great conversation guys i really i really enjoyed it it was fun getting to know no it was fun getting to meet you charlie and getting to know you even more martin yeah fam but um signing off now guys so be sure to visit bay in little tokyo make sure to listen to currently blue lotus which will now become imagine blue on youtube and podcast streaming apps christine long is a very intelligent woman so you i'm pretty sure you're gonna hear about her in the future whether it be thank from you, us or you. from her. <laughs> okay, Charlie, you, you can say the last thing. Ah, the last thing. The last so, thing. All right. Well, I, I definitely, you know, it was really, really awesome to meet you, Christine. Can't wait to get to meet in person and do some board games like that. I'm so pumped for that. <laughs> but yeah, this has been great, everyone. Thank you all for um, continuing to listen and continue to share. Um, you know, we are a taste of meaning and we'll catch you next time. Woo!